Okay, so Pastor Adam last week, he spoke a phenomenal message on the importance of reading your Bible and how to read your Bible. Now, for me, this message was like spot on. Like I know I'm youth pastor, but it doesn't mean I read my Bible all the time. I've always got things I need to work on. And uh, I was sitting in my chair so pumped, Reuben kept tapping me and being like, shut up. Because I kept being like, yeah, every three seconds is so good. And I was sitting there and at the end of the message, I was literally like wiggling in my chair like, I'm so pumped to read my Bible. And uh, I went home Monday morning and I got up real early, made myself a hot drink. Uh, opened the Bible and I started reading a passage. And so my entire message this morning has actually come from Pastor Adam's message last week. So I hope you enjoy it. If you don't, you need to talk to Pastor Adam because this is from his message, okay? So, but I, I pray that you will be encouraged. So I'm going to read to you a scripture that you may have heard uh, before many times, but I'm going to graceify it, do it uh, the way I do it. And so Pastor Adam said, Whoa. Everyone say, Whoa. And that was how we can break down scriptures in the Bible, the who, what, when, where, and why, and the how. So I've got a little slideshow right here. Oh, look at that. What is the scripture verse? So the scripture verse that we're going to read today is from Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, be strong and courageous. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Who was he saying this to? He was saying this to Joshua, the son of of none. I didn't know nuns had sons, but uh, okay, too much too soon. Sorry. Uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, when did he say this? Well, just before the death of Moses, God had said this to Moses and said, I need you to pass this on to Joshua. And then God had said it multiple times after his death as well, where this happened outside the plains of Moab, just off the Jordan River, which was just outside the promised land that God had for the Israelites. And why did God say this to him? Because he needed to lead the Israelites into the promised land and God wanted to him encourage him in it. So first things first, before I start, I'm going to break down who Joshua is, okay? So Joshua is now leading the entire nation of Israel. For over 40 years, God's people, the people of Israel, have waited to get to this promised land. They were in slavery. And so God took them on this journey. He delivered them from slavery. And he took them on this journey to the promised land. But we know that while they were in the wilderness, there was a lot of loss of lives. People had turned away from God. But there were also a whole lot of miracles, signs, and wonders. And now God was saying, Joshua, I want you to lead these people. And I just, I just want to tell you why I think God chose Joshua. Like out of all the entire nation, why was it that Joshua was picked to lead? And this is why I think it was because before they went to the promised land, Moses sent out 12 spies, one man from each tribe. He said, I want you to go spy out the promised land, the promise that God has for you, and then come back, give me a report on what those promises look like. So these 12 spies, they go, they're like, okay, we'll go check out the land, we'll be ninja sneaky ass, and they come back, and 10 of them I like this. Ten of them say, well, God was right. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It is amazing. It is beautiful. It is fertile. It is rich. But let me tell you, there's giants. The soldiers, they're strong. It's big. There's walls. They're, they're impenetrable. You can't get through them. So I don't think we should do it because, you know, I know God's good and stuff, but there's no way we can get past all of that stuff. But then two of them said this, Joshua and Caleb, they said this. They said, 
the same thing they said, man, the promises are good, just like God had said. And the people, yeah, they're big and the walls are thick and they look scary. But you know what? Our God is so much bigger. I think what separated them two from the majority, and we've got to be like, there's got to be something that separates us from everybody else, is their perspective. It wasn't how big the walls were. It was how big their God was. I think it was their attitude. I think as believers in Christ, there's got to be things that separate us in the places that we're at. Because I believe that every single one of us has a purpose and God has plans, not just a one big plan for us, but He has a plan for every single area of our life, for our work life, for our family life, for our home life, when we're at school, when we're at college, wherever we are, God has a plan. And there's got to be something that separates us as a minority from the majority, not saying them and us, because they were all believers in God, but there's got to be something different about us. See, I worked at Subway making sandwiches so I could make a killer sandwich. That's about all I can make in water. Uh, and so I worked there since I was 15 years old. And, and it was my first kind of big job. And I was kind of excited. And I remember starting working there. Now, there was a whole bunch of girls. So there was the problem in the first place. Uh, but there was a whole bunch. No, no boys working there. And I remember when I started, there was these few girls. And they were the biggest negative Nancys you had ever met in your whole life. Like you walk in, everything could be perfect, but everything is never perfect when you walked in. And I remember this one girl, every time I walked in, you know, I don't know about you guys, you probably are much nicer than me, but every time I walked in, I saw her, I was like, oh my goodness, you know? And so I walked in and she'd be there and she's just sitting at the front line of Subway. And I know I'm just waiting. She's like boiling up, getting ready to burst out. And I'll just walk in, I'll just open the door and she'll be like, place was a mess this morning, horrible. I'm just so annoyed. I'm just so annoyed. I just, I'm not getting owls. I want, oh, this is horrible. There's no bread. No bread. She's cooking bread, but she's just complaining because she can. And I was like, oh my goodness. They used to complain about our bosses. They used to bring them down. The stuff they used to say, I was like, man, this is nasty. And after a while, one by one, thank you, Jesus, those girls started to leave because, you know, they got older and they moved on to different jobs. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start setting a different atmosphere in this place right now. I actually decided instead of listening to what you think about my bosses, I'm going to make my own opinion. And I tell you what, our bosses were phenomenal. They were the coolest bosses out. The problem was not the bosses in this situation. And so I, I was like, okay, I'm going to, so as new girls started coming in, we just had this di different atmosphere. And you know what? People like that, other people want to be around those people. And we've got to be people like that that are always seeing the good in things, and we have a different perspective on life because that draws people towards us. So for you, I guess I, the question for everyone here today is what, what separates you from everybody else in your work life, in your home life, when things are going good, not just when things are going good, when things are going not so good as well. So we're going to break down the scripture and see how we can apply it to our lives. So the first part, I'm going to use a whiteboard because I'm a simple person, and because uh, oh, I'm a youth pastor and young people are simple Actually, they're quite complicated these days. It's quite, uh, so they'll just go back on that. Be strong. Everyone say, be strong. Nice. And then let's write, be cold. I can't really spell. Runs in my family, even though my family doesn't run. All right. Be strong. Be courageous. All right. God said to Joshua, he said, I need you to be strong and courageous. When we talk about strong, I don't think... God was saying to Joshua, right, I need you to start lifting some logs. I need you, your arms are a bit small. I don't think he was saying that kind of strong to Joshua. I think God was talking about an inner strength. He's like, I need you to start building this inner strength. Because you see, Joshua's life was no longer just about Joshua. He was leading an entire nation. And to be honest, as believers, I never think our lives are just about us. I always think it's about the people that we come into contact with in our work lives and different things like that. So we've got to have that same strength. 
And in Philippians 4.13, this is where the strength comes from because strength is really important. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Our, our strength has got to come from God. If it, if it doesn't come from God, it's probably not going to sustain us for long enough. You know, I have another guilty pleasure uh, that sometimes I go to instead of God. Its name is Netflix. Okay, so every time I'm feeling down and I get upset, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go watch some Netflix and I'll watch a show and oh, this is so good and I'm happy again, but it doesn't last. And, and I, I think the thing is, we've we got to make sure our strength is coming from the right source, not from what other people think about us, not from what they say, not from what, you know, the TV and how we're feeling about ourselves, not from Netflix, not from music. It's got to come from God. Because the Bible also carried on to say this. It said, be courageous. See, courageous, courage is a quality to help face difficulty, danger, pain without fear or bravery. One of the first things God also said to Joshua was no one will be able to stand against you. No one will be able to stand against you. God was not saying nothing will come against you. God was saying when I am your source of strength, it doesn't matter what comes against you because it won't be able to bring you down. It's like the story of the man who built his house on the rock. Maybe it took a bit longer. Maybe it was a bit more work. And then there was a guy who built his house on the sand. You know, he just kind of whipped it up. But you see, when things of the world come our way, when the way started crashing, when circumstances turn out the way we didn't expect them to, if we're planted on God's solid word, then we'll be able to stand no matter how big the wave, no matter how great, no matter when it comes, we will be able to stand. We're not just going to come falling down. And I think we've got to be strong, not just for ourselves, but because when other people go through stuff, they have somebody they can go to. Why is it that when, when, when they're going through stuff, they're still really strong? They're still pushing forward. They've still got an awesome attitude. What is it about them? It carries on to say, the Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. So that's number one right there. Lord goes before like this. Boom. Shakalaka. All right. The Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. This is the next thing he said to Joshua. See, in between Joshua, the nation of Israel, and the promised land was the Jordan River, and then there was the walls of Jericho, right? There was the Jordan River, and there was the walls of Jericho. And I love how God said, the Lord himself goes before you. God doesn't say, I got these great promises. They're going to be awesome. You're going to do, all right, peace out. You got this. I believe in you. God doesn't say that. It says, the Lord himself goes before you. God's like, I just want you to know, Joshua, I'm with you in this right now. God didn't say, all right, Joshua, it's going to be hard, right? But I got this great guy. He's my top man. His name's Gabriel. I'm going to send him down to you. He's going to help you out. No, God's like, no, personally, me, myself, I'm coming with you. Has anyone seen the show Undercover Boss? Undercover Boss. Okay, my parents used to love that show. I didn't love it because it was always sad at the end and I don't like crime, so I never really watched it. But I watched a few episodes. If you don't know what it is, it's about like these big CEO guys. They weren't always big. Sometimes they were big. Anyways, it was about these CEO guys and they own these huge companies and they go into the smaller stores in their companies and they kind of dress, they put a little mustache on or a little hat or something so that people don't recognize them. And they go into these little stores and they start to see how the people work. They start to see what, you know, what their background is. They get on a real personal level with the people. 
and you know, they get, the bosses get really touched. They're like, wow, these, these people are working their butts off. They're doing the best they can for our company. And, and, and man, I just want to bless them. And so then he brings the people in and he takes off his disguise. You're like, whoa, I didn't realize it was you when I told you all these great problems that you're now going to bless me with stuff. And so the boss is like, right, I'm going to do this for you. And, and you're working so hard. And do you know what I love about God is he's not this undercover boss. He doesn't just come in every now and then and be like, how are you doing? Oh, ooh, okay, you're doing good. All right, I'll give you this little blessing. No, God's with us every single step of the way. He makes it very clear. It's not an undercover kind of boss. It's not an undercover kind of love. God's just like, I'm with you every single step, and I will go before you every single step of the way. The next bit, and I've switched it around. I hope you don't mind. It says, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. See, when we're afraid, and when, when people get afraid, we get filled with fear. And when we're fearful of stuff, I don't know about you, but I straight away lose all strength, all confidence inside of me. And uh, a great story that I can use to describe this is one night at home. Um, I'm the kind of person who doesn't like being home alone. Like 20 minutes, I'm fine. Past that, I'm like, someone save me, someone I'm going to die kind of thing. I'm real dramatic like that, but I don't like being home alone. And every now and then my parents, as you know, they travel. So they, they go away and it's all good because I've always got Gia there, right? And Gia's older than me. So no matter what happens, I just have this feeling that I believe that Gia can take care of us because she's older and we can rely on her and it's all good. But then Gia got married to Jeremy and he took her away. Shot Jeremy. Got your backs. All good. He lives with us again. <laughs> the plan worked. Anyways. So she had got married to Jeremy, so she moved away. And this one night, there was no mum and dad. And so I was fine. I was fine. I was, you know, I was put together, driving home, had my little brother in the car. Okay, my little brother who yesterday went and got his eyebrows done. He's like, my eyebrows sharper than a knife. I was like, oh my gosh, they're better than mine. It's really sad. Mine look like sisters. His look like twins. All right. Anyways, so we're driving home. And we park up in front of the house and everything's fine. I'm not even thinking about the fact that I'm, I'm the oldest one and I'm going to have to take care of him. Um, and I, we drive up and all the lights are on the house because that's me and Ruben. We're those kids that just never turn anything off. And we got there and we parked down in front of the house. Now, Ruben is a boy, right? So he likes to frighten people. Wrong place, wrong time, always. And he just turns around and he goes, oh, my God, there's someone in the house. And I turn around and I see this figure and I scream. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And it was a painting of me in the window. I was like, Ugh. And um, I got the biggest fright. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, all this fear starts to build up inside of me. And I started to go, well, what if someone's in the house? What if people come attack us? Well, the only thing I could think of doing was being like, Reuben, you take him, take him. You know, I was freaking out. All of a sudden, something I felt completely capable to do, all this fear came in me, and I felt completely incapable to do it. So I, I took th things into my own hands, and I rung my mom. I'm 22 years old at this point, And I was like, Mom, you won't believe what just happened. Like, I'm not kidding you. I was full on like, yeah, let's not get into it. Anyways, I was like, Reuben has just given me the biggest fright of my life. And he said someone's in the house and it was painting of me. And I, and I was freaking out. And I was like, that's right, Grace, calm down. I'll ring her. I'll do it. And I was like, thanks, mum. So she calls. Hello, Karen Armstrong. Yes, yes, Grace again. Yes, <laughs> please go over. So Karen Armstrong had to come to our house and stay the night with us because 22-year-old Grace just got filled with fear and freaked out over something she didn't even need to get scared of. 
So next time we know that, you know, when you have a problem, who are you going to call? Karen, I'm strong. This is what fear does. Fear makes us feel incapable to do the things that God has already said he will give us the strength to do. You see, it wasn't just that there was the Jordan River and the walls of Jericho. Actually, at that time, at that place and in that season, it was actually flood season. This wasn't crossing the Otai Hunger River. That's not what it was like. This was full-on flood season. And the walls of Jericho were said to be indestructible. You see, do not be afraid also comes with the words, do not be discouraged. To be discouraged is to deprive of courage, hope, confidence, to dishearten and dispirit. Sometimes the enemy likes to tell us how great, how big, uh, how there's no way past all these things in our life. He likes to discourage us. This is how I think of discourage. Discouragement, it takes the courage out of people. When you encourage people, you're putting courage into people. I love people that encourage. I'll introduce you. Danika, stand up real quick. Come on, girl. Yeah, girl. Give it up for Danika. Turn around. Turn around. Do a little spin. Ah. She's single, people, but she's on an internship, so don't try anything. All right. Danika right here, coolest girl out. And so are all my other girlfriends. But just for now, Danika, I'm using as my person. Every morning I come into the office, Danika will do this. Oh, my goodness. I love you. You're awesome. You're so cute. She's the kind of person that you get nervous if you put cute things around because she'll rip them up. You know, she's just oh, so cute. But I tell you what. She's the greatest encourager that I know. Like, my parents are awesome encouragers, but if we just take out family for a second, Danika is the greatest encourager that I know. No matter what situation I'm in, Danika will bring out the best in that situation. Oh, it's going to be awesome. This way, she stayed at my house last night, and this morning I woke up, and she told me about 45 times how awesome this morning is going to be. She said, how are you feeling? You're good. Oh, you're going to do so good. You're going to be awesome. But you know what? It's really powerful what encouragement can do. See, on Friday night, I had a whiteboard. I preached about Joshua, the battle of Jericho. Totally different message though. And I got a bit carried away because as soon as I started drawing stuff, I was like, oh, it's so funny. And I just started, kept drawing and the message went on way too long. But it was really good, right? And people were like, oh, that was really, really good. And then someone said to me, I was like, how did you think it was? They're like, oh, long. It was so long. And I was like, oh. You know, it's crazy how so much, people can say so much good stuff in one negative comment. And this person wasn't being negative. Please don't hear it like that. They actually weren't. They weren't trying to discourage me or anything. They were just being real when I need that sometimes. But it was just one comment and I just straight away felt like, oh, and I started pacing around the kitchen. And I was like, no one's going to come back to youth. Oh my gosh, I've just ruined everything. Young people are going to just be like, oh, youth is lame. The preacher doesn't know how to stop. And oh my goodness. And it's crazy. Because one thing can start to plant a whole lot of seeds inside our head. And I went to my room, I sat down, and then all of a sudden, beep, beep, it's Danika. And Danika's like, I just want to tell you, you are such an awesome friend. I am so proud of you. You did such an awesome night. And I tell you, even though you can be doing so good, discouragement can bring you down. Encouragement helps build people back. Our words have got to be encouraging. We've got to put courage into as many people as we can. Everybody needs a Danika in their life. Hallelujah. Actually, everyone needs to learn how to be a Danika. That's the, the true meaning of that one. The last part of the verse is, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my Lord. I'm sorry. I'm going to write down, uh, 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 do not, 
be afraid. Turn to the person next to you while I write this and say, you're looking so good today. Be afraid. I hope y'all all did it. That's going to be real awkward for the person if you didn't think they looked good today. All right, the last part of the verse says this. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So to leave, I think it's put in that order for a reason. To leave, someone can leave, but they can come back, right? Like at youth group on a Friday night, all the kids need to go to the toilet and leave at the exact same time in the middle of my message. And I'm like, it's all good, guys. Let's just work. We'll, we'll come up with a plan. But they leave, but they all come back, mostly all of them come back. But forsake means to abandon and to give up on. See, we have to understand that no matter where we're at, God actually never leaves or forsakes us. No matter how we may feel, no matter what our life may look like at the time, it does not mean that God has left us. There are a few reasons I think that people may believe that God has left them. Number one is very clear and obvious reason, and it's sin. I, I believe that people think because they've sinned, because they've done wrong, they've done things they shouldn't have done. I knew I shouldn't have done it. I did it anyways. Oh. The enemy starts to whisper things like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You are nasty now. God's not going to want anything to, he's probably left you. You knew better. I think sin is a big thing in people's lives. The second one is our circumstances. If things are looking a bit hard, we can be like, oh, God, where are you at? Why, why is this happening right now? I think if life was so smooth, we wouldn't need God in the first place. I think it's good sometimes when we go through trials, it, it helps us to grow in faith and lean on God a bit. And the third thing is God's plan is different from our plan. I think sometimes we think if the plan's not working out the way we want it to work out, then God must have left us. See, the Israelites are a great example because you see God brought them out of slavery and he brings us out of, not really slavery, but addictions and bondage and anxiety and a whole lot of different things. God brings us out of things because he has great promises for us. But he doesn't just bring us out and dump us into the promises. He's not like, all right, good luck. You're gonna be awesome. Here's the promises. No, he takes us on a journey and it's his plan, not our plan. God has a different plan from us. And just because it's different, it, it doesn't mean he's left us. He never left the Israelites once. In fact, God never, ever left anyone. He never forsook anyone, never abandoned anyone in the Bible the entire time. Never leave, nor, I've given, been given some good tips on how never leave, nor, here you go, I'm just trying to, there we go. Can you guys see that? I hope you can see it. It says, never leave nor forsake. Did I spell that? Oh, well, it's all right. Jesus knows. You know. All right. Never leave. The enemy just keeps trying to distract me. All right. Never leave nor forsake you. The enemy has a plan. This is what I think the enemy's plan is. See, God wants us to be strong Lean on him, be courageous. He wants us to know that in every situation in our lives, he's going to go before us. That we're, He's not going to leave us to do it by ourselves. He goes before us. He wants us not to be filled with fear, not to be afraid, and not to allow discouragement to rule our lives. Because if we can grab a hold of that, 
we know that God will never leave us in situations and never forsake us. That means we're going to have confidence to step out in every single area of our life and trust that He is with us. But the enemy likes to undo everything that God has just tried to do. See, the enemy says, man, if I can make them discouraged, right? They've done something they shouldn't have done or something's gone a bit wrong. If I can discourage them, if I can take that bit of courage out of them, if I can say, oh, start to whisper in their head, oh, you're not doing very well. You're not doing so good right now. I don't think, you know, God's on your side at the moment. If I can fill them with fear and, and doubt and, and they start to get nervous, if I, if I can do that, then they're going to think that God hasn't gone before them in situations. They're going to feel kind of like they're alone in that situation and they're going to lose all courage. And if they lose all courage, they're going to lose all of their strength and all their walls will be down and I'll be able to attack. And the only thing he wants to do is make sure that if he can do all of this, that you think in your head that God has left you and he has forsaken you. And if the enemy can make you believe that, then he has got us. That's why we got to make sure we are strong and we are constantly depending on God because it fills us with courage. It helps us know God's gone before us that we don't need to be afraid or discouraged because he won't leave us nor forsake us. I think a lot of people who think that God has left them and believe that lie end up turning away from the truth that God is always with us. God never forsook anyone in the Bible. In fact, the entire Bible is God trying to help mankind equip us, empower us in every single situation, no matter how crazy it looked. It was to help us have a personal relationship with Him. God was so in love with us that His whole goal by the end of the Bible was, I'm going to do everything I can to let these people know that I want to do life with them. And that's where Jesus comes in. Because in the Old Testament, he's like, I'm going to try, I'm going to do this. I'm going to send these prophets and these leaders. He's like, all right, things are just getting too crazy. Now I'm going to go as far as I can. I'm going to send my one and my only son. And you see, though God never abandoned anyone at all in the Bible, there is actually one person that God did abandon. You see, because as Jesus laid on the cross, he took on the sins of the whole world. God's like, these people, they, they can't live a perfect life. They're finding it really hard and, and maybe it's really hard. I'm going to send my son to do what they couldn't do. And then he's going to die a sinner's death and he's going to take on everyone's sin. And it says about three in the afternoon, and this is in Matthew 27, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? For one moment in the Bible, God separated himself from his own son, Jesus. He couldn't look at him as he bare the sins of every single one of us. And I think God separated himself from Jesus so that he did not have to separate himself from every single one of us. He had to abandon Jesus so that in every situation, he would never, no matter what it was, have to abandon or leave or turn his back on us. So no matter where we're at, we need to understand God will never leave nor forsake us. He himself will go before us. We don't need to be discouraged or afraid because he is our strength and will give us courage. That scripture verse was said time and time again from Moses to Joshua. It was to encourage and empower people from, from Joshua to the Israelites, from David to Solomon, from Solomon to the Israelites. And it was said one more time in Hebrews 13, 5, 8. And I want to read this to you. And it says this, it says, never will I leave you Never will I forsake you. 
So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what I love about the scripture verse it is it's not dependent on us. It's not saying, hey, when you sort yourselves out, then Jesus, no, Jesus is the same yesterday. He loved us the same yesterday as much as he loves us today and he will love us forever. It's so important that we believe this. Can I get the band to come up? Oh, hey. Hey, I'm just going to pray with everyone real, real quick if that's cool with you guys. If you just want to bow your heads.